WSQF Blink Radio with the Radio Socialist. I'm yours truly, Mac on the Rock, the Concrete Conservative. I don't put on the microphone right away because he immediately wants to like take over. But now it's time for you to meet Alejandro, the Radio Socialist. How are you, sir? I am doing fantastic today. You know, um, we've got a little bit of a cold draft back. I. It was very, very cold around the weekend when I went out for a walk. Miami has, at this time of year, has really inconsistent weather. Oh, all year. You know, we, you can count on the humidity, but that's about it. Other than that, it could be freezing in the morning and completely baking, baked potato hot by, by noon. Then you get these moments where... You know, climate change freakazoids say, "Oh, look! Look how oh, look how wide ranging this is." Well, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Today, I saw the headline and going through a couple of things. Um, the biggest one first is that this has been the seven hottest years on record. Wow! And you find that to be what industrialization again? Um, rather mm. industrialization without trying to pivot course. Well, yes. you know, it's also circulating the internet, something you read in the fiscals. I pointed out how different the sun's distance from the earth is. Six million. You never researched to make sure that I had the six million correct, because I know it's correct in the book. I just, you know, my Fetterman moment here has me. I, I would like, for Troubled. the sake of the program, to rename Fetterman moments. Fetterwoman. Fetterman moments when you run amazing campaigns and you beat a very easy target. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> like if it wasn't rigged. <laughs> you know that the, 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 the riggers are the rigger consensus, the the, the climate election climate change uh, fodder out there is saying that the same strategy used to rig the election between Biden and Trump is the same election they used just now with Bolsonaro and Lula. And the world is coming to a fast, fast reality that the communists are all over the place. And they're taking ground. I think I think it's you on the radio. People can hear this far and wide, miles at a time. The reach is so intense and Alejandro's taking over the world. Well, the reason we're winning, um, it's funny because in the States, people are extremely pessimistic about things. Yeah, um, you guys are taking over. You're correct. But I, I do think people with You my think world, it's a result of... I think it's a result of this, of two things. It was um, generally people who leaned left were just disappointed with Obama. And then uh, Trump came. And that kind of felt like a. Big, oh my God! This is even worse. It, it felt like it was just a giant confirmation that like these people were gutless. We, yeah, the liberals were gutless. They were never going to stand up for themselves. Now yeah. we're saying that about Republicans. Yeah, <laughs> it but really is amazing because people want you know Mitch McConnell's head for what he did. How can any Republican support a one point seven trillion dollar budget? My God, is that like laughing? At the dollar, just laughing at the dollar, like well, they just admitted, that, like, like they just like. admitted that they are not going to cut uh, military spending at all. Why would they? Because it's the biggest thing. 
that that's like saying that's like saying okay, I have a problem with money, right? We're and fit, it, it, and that's fifty like, percent of the GDP of this country. It's the most that, brilliant minds are in that industry. We've gone over the fact that sixty percent of that budget disappears, like uh, fifty. Uh, we've gone uh, over the number. You got me I, there. So it, it, it's like if I would handle and listen. How to much this, of that was Ukraine money? That disappeared? That's a good question. A lot of people are kind of upset by it. Twenty-five billion is going to R and D and. Uh, consultants on how to train Ukrainians how to use this stuff. <laughs> how can that be, man? How can that be? I just uh, which which really puts it, it, Americans on foot of you know foots on the ground, and they have to go in there and help the Ukrainians use the stuff that we gave them. Then boots are on the ground. They got to be military. So whether they're civilian or military, Americans are on the ground in Ukraine. That's got to come out soon. It just feels like, you know. It feels like in a very strange situation where it's we haven't seen such naked military and aggression from a country since well Iraq since Bush yeah <laughs> you got you beat me to it uh. well the naked aggression as far as I'm concerned as far as most people who think like me talk like me act like me it's all coming true a lot of the stuff we say you guys laugh at until it comes true and then you deny that well, it's Ra- because Ra- of you Ra- guys Ra- deserves credit for saying that Putin might be the biggest threat to geopolitical stability. In Europe, definitely. Um, he comes over that. here. We saw that. We, he, he comes was... over here, we'll give him a shellacking. I don't think Americans have to worry about us being uh, taken over, but invasion could be a, a serious problem. Uh, they could just simply attack bases, foreign bases, and that's attack on the United States. We have foreign bases all over the place. We're, we're classic Rome in that regard. We're spread out all over the world that it's not good. But what's probably going to really in dangerous more than anything else is state statism liberals uh, 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 over overextending the laws to the point where they can force vaccines on us they can do, force do you, want, um, you want my unforeseen commentary what i think is the biggest thing we have done do is uh, if you would have um, let me finish sure, yeah sure but i already lost my federman moment so go ahead um it's kind of Rumsfeld's legacy of whose legacy? Rumsfeld's legacy of completely restructuring the military to be privatized, and um, I want to say that's a kind of a reach. It's already privatized when we sell the stuff to them. Oh no, but like he, what he, we sell to the United what States. he accomplished in doing was like creating a very um, what's the term? There's like a term in professionalism where. Like, you know, in the professional job market where your your job credentials are minimalized and sit down to such a point that, like, you're an expert in the field. Wow. Um, he managed to do this with the military. And um, at first, it seemed like it was kind of really working because, like, you know, you, you... I don't see how a general could be as innovative as a super whiz at a Duke University who can fire uh, and invent a rocket, fire it, and land in Gaddafi's central air... Well, air conditioning that's system assassin- and kill his grandson. Well, that's an assassin. That's like engineering against, like you know, the wisdom and the studying of history. Well, how about well, Obama like- sitting in his Oval Office desk and deciding which drone's going to kill which terrorists? Well, it's the problem that we've seen from this is that we can kill whoever we like, whenever we want, Absolutely. however we want, however, including Americans. Yes, especially including Americans. However, we never seem to be able to control the situation anymore. Well. You know, that reminds me, and I don't really want to, I want you to go back to your your original thought because you wanted to say something about woke ideology, but our biggest fear I did. is what Elon has been saying quite a lot lately, more so lately because of the buying of the Twitter 
it's, he's coming out more. But apparently, he's been saying this in talk show, talk presents, uh, interviews all over the place. It's artificial intelligence. It's completely out of control. It's out of the box. The genie's out. There is no controlling it now. And I fear, right off the bat, because I because of what I told you, Doctor Peterson was saying, he asked. The artificial intelligence computer, and there's not one, there's several of them, I guess specific to industries or specific to subject matter, but he he asked questions he would have asked himself in his research for his thesis to be a psychologist. So, you know, a psychologist, and he's a psychiatrist, uh, he prescribes medicine, I believe, not just a psychologist. And guess what? It gave him his thesis in three minutes. That's artificial intelligence, man. That's what you should be worried about. Not Military spending, because guess what? I mean, who who probably got that off the ground though? Got what off the ground? The AI stuff was oh military, military, yeah, in, in military industrial complex without a doubt. You know that that is a big concern, but fifty percent of the GDP, folks, twenty-two trillion dollar U.S. economy, fifty percent is military related in any way, in any form. Which you is name funny it. is that the people who are most going to be hit by our lack of military spending are going to be the people who are kind of complain about us the most, which is Europe. Yes, because we take care of their ass. Didn't your buddy, my buddy, my fearless comandante, Donald Trump, he told the Europeans, yeah, we cut back, then what? If you guys don't pay us the military stuff you owe us for the NATO contribution, one or two percent of your GDP, we're going to bail, and we're going to leave you guys naked. And sure enough, he told the Russians in a meeting, I mean, sorry, he told the Eastern Europeans, the EU, and I remember, you can see it on YouTube, they're laughing their butts off. He goes, hey, you guys better start paying up, because Putin, you know, has got you on the hook for the oil and the heating oil, especially in the wintertime, that oil that's coming through the pipeline. You better uh, pony up, man, because these people own you. And sure enough, they were laughing. They're not laughing now. Yeah. They're not laughing now. The biggest problem with Trump was you guys didn't want to hear. And I say you guys because you're kind of like, Coming off as you're not totally against him, but you were, but you're not, but you're not. You no, know, no, you're embarrassed. I, I, I just look at when it comes to every president. He was right about everything. When it comes to every president, what the hell was I look he wrong at, I look about? At individual, um, some stuff. What stuff? He totally did not do the trade war, and the, the only the, thing he blew he, was he, COVID. He, he blew the trade war. He blew COVID. Um, he totally he got, he got broadsided by COVID by the very people he was pissing off. And he was blindsided because he was pissing them off. He he was tickling the tiger, you think you call it? Poke the tiger? Yeah. And he was poking China. And instead of having a, a country other- s- supporting him, he only had farmers supporting him because they were basically paying the tariffs because they used to have a great and The client. Fi- financial industry that backed him would get nervous because he was kind of a chaos agent. And if there's anything that um, financial people like in politics is that it stagnates. Because that means safe profits. Yeah, yeah. Notice how the stock market took off yeah. when the House went to the Republicans and the Senate stayed in the Democrats. You're absolutely right. They, they, they just straight up said that on MSNBC. Bill Kramer? He admitted it. He, he, he said just, it. He's quoting MSNBC. Oh, no. Uh, CNBC. Which oh. is the financial one. Okay. Thank you. You're right. I'll give you a pass. Same. Yeah. Same, no, that, because Kramer's same. not on MSNBC. I'm a Bloomberg guy. Yeah. I learned more from Bloomberg than... And, and I like saying Blumberg. That's 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 fun. He, even though he's a pinhead, uh, he's got an incredible setup there uh, at Blumberg News. I mean, he really gets into 
into the politics he, of economics. He was kind of, when all the allegations of the stuff, his workplace ethic, he really kind of sounded like a more, um, <laughs> like a nerdier Trump. Nah, not yeah, even nah, close. Yeah. Well, you were, well, you were, hey, you're misinterpreting, hey, hey, you're interpreting he, that as New Yorkerness. But it is, but he's like, New Yorkness. A, Trump is more bombastic and more out there. He was too. But Bloomberg's like, oh, you're pregnant, kill it. <laughs> no, he's one of those he New Yorkers. That. He's he one of those that. New Yorker types. You know, the New Yorkers are, uh, the people in power in New York are, are quite shameless. You know, no, they, they're just, they're just. Do you know that's how Epstein um, got into his position of power, right? Is that, um, what was he first working for? But he had been caught fabricating stuff. And the people were like, this guy's good. This is ambition. This is the origins when he was young, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. He Epstein, was just yeah. fabricating I everything wondered, in life. Please elaborate. I'm going to stay quiet for a bit. I'd like to know how in the hell Epstein was able to develop the gravitas, to even have the client list he had. And for them to give him money, and then he would leverage the money against them to keep on giving him money. How, how did that play itself out? Because we know how the story ends, but how does it begin? Do you know that story? Um, I don't. I've heard this. Um, I, I'm, of all the conspiracy stuff, I'm not the most knowledgeable on Epstein. But going back, um, I know that he never accomplished any of his degrees. Like, absolutely did it. Yeah, okay. Oh, he's like Joe Biden. He didn't yeah. accomplish anything? On. Yeah. Bear Stearns in 1967, um, you know. What are you playing? Oh wait, wait, I, I gotta, uh, I gotta. The 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 Dan Crenshaw put up a great uh, speech that's uh, directly addressed to you and your woke kind, your your folk, and I'm gonna play it whenever you give me. The, I, I would like to respond later about the the woke question, if you will. Yeah, that's how it started. Yeah. Uh, you you laid into into it perfectly because the segue was perfect. It's a comedian who nails it, and it was uh, it's only nine minutes. Well, so that's a, that's a lot of time. Um, you want to play? Have, did you watch it? I watched it already. Yeah. Do you want to play the the part that you feel is most biting? No, no, because this guy nails it. You, you can't. I heard the ending first, and it was. In just whoever forward the ending first, they did us a tremendous disservice because people like me smell a rat when they see one. They smell propaganda when they see it, so they immediately go research it, and sure enough, I find the nine minutes and the setup, the fat, the meat of the matter, and the closing was spent. Was just it was my age speaking to your age. So just tell me when I get to play it. Okay, so just go right now. speaker for the proposition i've now been the fourth which means that i now have to thank all the previous speakers for making my best points for me uh, and i find that the reason the main reason now that i have left to be uh, in support of the motion is that i am so tired of talking about woke culture that's why it's gone too far more than anything else he's speaking and in I front of the british the other parliament speakers for making the points for me because it the means young kids. i don't have to reiterate the point that no no free speech is not some right-wing reframing of whatever it's the foundation of western civilization upon this civilization is built and the enlightenment values that led to it Wait, i don't have to make the point right? that has been made by far better i think the biggest problem you guys have wait he's in england right He's in the British Parliament. Yeah, free speech is not in a fact, defining in value. In fact, I might in be correct. I might be. I might be corrected. 
it's there's a hall uh, where they speak. I I thought it was Parliament. I believe it is. Uh, what is the House of Commons? I think Britain. Well, it, it's um, just like going through English history. That's that's not a defining virtue of their Western civilization. That's American. That's not European. Get get out of here with that nonsense. Okay. Unfortunately for you, he's Russian. But I was supposed to be the first non-student speaker for the proposition. I've now been the fourth, which means that I now have to thank all the previous speakers for making my best points for me. Uh, and I find that the reason, the main reason now that I have left to be uh, in support of the motion is that I am so tired of talking about woke culture. That's why it's gone too far, more than anything else. And I thank the other speakers for making the points for me. Okay, someone's gone. No, free speech is not some right-wing reframing of whatever. It's the foundation of Western civilization. Upon this civilization is built and the Enlightenment values that led to it. I don't have to make the point that has been made by far better people in the past that the only way to deal with the problem of racism is to treat people on the content of their character and nothing else. And the fact that woke culture seeks to overturn that is a new form of racism that we must all oppose. It means also I will not use this opportunity to say I told you so as someone who spent the last five years warning people in the West that if we continue to erode our culture, if we continue to undermine our confidence in Western values, that our enemies, enemies like Vladimir Putin will seek to capitalize on it. I will not make any of those points tonight at all. Instead, I'm not going to talk to those of you who already agree with me, which I imagine is most of you. Um, I'm not going to talk to you because I imagine after everything you've heard tonight, you're going to vote for the proposition. I'm going to confess I will take your vote for granted. Tonight, I am the Labour Party and you are the Red Wall. Now, I want to talk to those of you who are woke and who are open to rational argument. A small minority, I accept. Because one of the tenets of wokeness is, of course, that your feelings matter more than the truth. But I believe in you. I believe there are those of you here who are woke, who are open to rational arguments, so let me make one. We are told that your generation cares more than any other about one issue in particular, and that issue is climate change. We are told that many of you suffer from climate anxiety. You wish to save the planet. And for tonight, and tonight only, I will join you. I will join you in worshipping at the feet of St. Greta of climate change. <laughs> Let us all accept right here, right now, that we are living through a climate emergency and our stocks of polar bears are running extremely low. I join you in this view. I truly do. Now, what are we to do about this huge problem facing humanity? What can we in Britain do? We can only do one thing. You know why? This country is responsible for 2% of global carbon emissions, which means that if Britain was to sink into the sea right now, it would make absolutely no difference to the issue of climate change. You know why? Because the future of the climate is going to be decided in Asia and in Latin America by poor people who couldn't give a shit about saving the planet. No, thank you. No, thank you. It's going to be decided by Hold poor on. people in Asia that? and Latin America who don't care about saving the planet. You know why? Because they're poor. Because they're poor. 
I come from Russia, which is not a poor country, it's a middle-income country. 20% of households in Russia do not have an indoor toilet. What they have is an outdoor toilet. And I don't mean one of those nice port that we get here. I don't even mean a Glastonbury port I mean a wooden shack with a hole in the ground. The holes are collected fermented members. Press the home tonight and say, let's rip out to Siberian of China when you want to stay poor. Imagine you're Xi Jinping. There was a revolution. You're not going to get them to stay poor. That means that their immune system is breaking down because they don't a bathroom and erect a Siberian shithouse in the back garden. And if you're not, why should they? 120 million people in China do not have enough food. I don't mean that they don't get dessert. I mean they suffer from malnutrition. That means that their immune system is breaking down because they don't have enough food. You're not going to get them to stay poor. Imagine you're Xi Jinping, the leader of China. When you were 10 years old, there was a revolution, a cultural revolution in your country. And people came and they put your father in prison. Your mother had to denounce him. Your sister killed herself. And you, no longer enjoying the protection of your formerly powerful father, were sent to a village where you lived in a cave house. And here you are, decades later. You have clawed your way up the bloody and greasy pole of Chinese politics to be the undisputed supreme leader of the very communist party that destroyed your family. And you know that the main thing you have to do to survive and to stay in power is to deliver the one thing that the people of China want, prosperity, economic growth. Where do you think climate change ranks on Xi Jinping's list of priorities? A third of all children who live in extreme poverty in the world live in India. That means they are starving and dying of preventable disease. Now, about 15 months ago, my wife got pregnant. Not me, because we're old school. (laughs) And for nine months, we talked about what our boy would look like. What he might do when he grows up. We looked at baby scans and videos on YouTube about what the fetus looks like at nine months and 12 months and 20 months. And eventually he was born. And he is this cute little bundle of joy. He's cuter than about 80% of puppies. Right. Now, if you said to me that I had a choice, either my son had a serious risk of starving or dying from a preventable disease in the next year, or I could press a button and he would live. He would go to school. He would bring his first girlfriend home. He'd go to university and graduate and become a woke idiot. A woke idiot. And then he'd get a job and get married and have children and become a man. But all I have to do is press this button. And for every day of my son's life, a giant plume of CO2 is going to get released into the atmosphere. Now, you're all very young and most of you are not parents. Let me tell you something. There is not a parent in the world who would not smash that button so hard their hand bled.
You are not going to get these people to stay poor. You're not even going to get them to not want to be richer. And so, I put it to you, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one thing we can do in this country to stop climate change. And that is to make scientific and technological breakthroughs that will create the clean energy that is not only clean, but also cheap. And the, no, thank you. And the only, I, I want everyone to get home on time today, which is not going to happen. And the only thing that wokeness has to offer in exchange is to brainwash bright young minds like you to believe that you are victims, to believe that you have no agency, to believe that what you must do to improve the world is to complain, is to protest, is to throw soup on paintings. And we on this side of the house are not on this side of the house because we do not wish to improve the world. We sit on this side of the house because we know that the way to improve the world is to work, is to create, it is to build. And the problem with woke culture is that it's trained too many young minds like yours to forget about that. Thank you very much. I stand corrected. It wasn't the British Parliament. The icon at the end said it was it was the Oxford Auditorium, I guess. That or, makes sense. Yeah. So it wasn't a formal... It looked like... So immediately really the first thing that I have to object to is he acts like the poor are not going to be affected by this, especially in Latin American agricultural countries. Those are going to be the primary people who are going to be affected by this. By climate change. Yeah, because the moment the crops... Aren't going to ha- like it'll be flooded, it'll be flooded, or certain areas will dry up. California has shown a really inconsistent rain record over the years. So, it's you like, remember, do you remember at a time when all of California was a desert and no agriculture whatsoever, and yet it was irrigated into one of the most prosperous farmland in the world? Innovation, yeah. But here's you the remember, thing, these, these t- like that is to say that. His solution is exactly what I have been advocating on this radio show, which is funding certain new technologies that will get us off, which is moving in a different direction actively. And well, for some people, they many, need to many? protest to raise awareness and combat certain you know notions that this isn't happening or that we can just continue drilling w- without a single thought. Like, so anyhow, it just sounds like he wants to be mad at the opposition. It doesn't sound like he's actually had to listen to their concerns because he might find that we've already said this stuff. Uh, I believe that you believe that the, the the audience he is addressing has to continue throwing soup on art. And the point is that only hardcore innovation can get out of your feelings of climate change. I don't have that feeling. I believe we should pump oil like it's going out of gazoo. I want to see oil at a dollar a gallon back in the day like like the like it is in Brazil where it's very cheap and that they have m- many more problems to deal with than energy problems. Same with Venezuela in the good old days. That's a real shame what happened over there because the engine that could have dr- driven their economy way into the future was already had. In other words, they already had it. It's already at the pump at 780 cents a gallon. My god, you could run an in- industry 
When you don't have that, you have hyperinflation. Everything goes up. The point, the point that he was making and I was making is what I like to stress as a concrete conservative, political bipolarity. Perfect examples is in the news right now. Seven, eight whales, sperm whales showing up on our shores. God knows how many other shores. Looking for jobs. Because of windmills. I'm joking, I'm joking. (laughs) Yeah, they were looking for a job. It's called Life Thereafter. Whale heaven. These damn whales coming to our country looking for a handout. I, as a capitalist, would have jumped on that whale and sucked as much perfume out of there as I could. But... From from a standpoint of the political bipolarity, we are not going to have clean energy from the sources in which the the brainiacs, Elon being one of them, cranking out the most toxic of rare earth minerals to create I, batteries. I trust Elon if he did not benefit off these subsidies and then wants to get rid of them. See, that's my problem. Well, he gets subsidized from the government. Okay, I grant you that. I then understand you that SpaceX allow other companies to do the same because I believe the federal government saved his butt when he did a joint venture with NASA. I agreed. I believe it's a stretch to think that R and D, private sector R and D, would have gotten us into space at, at this incredible level. But then again, China's doing it. France is doing it. Uh, France has got a huge launch pad in Belize, right there on the equator. So they're competing. You know, they're getting their satellites up. I guess that that's what I would say, like, to this guy is that, like, listen, like, we've been saying that. Like, there there are rational voices on this side. It's, I feel like what happens a lot of time, um, even on the left that I'll you say. Mean, you mean Greta? Greta, who we quoted? Greta Thunberg, the little Mojang? She's, she's doing what she can. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's kind of weird to see. But, it. What makes me uncomfortable is to see, like, a kid entering politics. Yeah, really. Because it's like... I don't want to see a kid attacked or, like, get into this nasty job field. Like, you know, like, we're all kind of professional trolls. Like, I don't know, a kid, sh- I don't know, I, I don't like seeing a kid get involved in this. I She's right, too, but it's, I don't like seeing that on the public field. Uh, well, since maybe until she's, like, how old is she? We- she looks like she's 12. She looks tiny. I have no She looks tiny. I wouldn't even, I, I wouldn't even. I couldn't even guess. Well, can we do a lot? Uh, since it's Martin Luther King Day, can we do a, a Martin Luther King video? See, the problem is that you were raised with a multiple choice exam, so nine minutes to you is eternity. I can, oh, no, but you like, got very fidgety. You, you, during you probably those feel, you know, listen, like when you talk about like the evils of the multiple choice exam, the people with ADHD and test anxiety like it's me, the worst thing we, we are do. the primary. Like, yeah, I, I, I will. You I will, will, you will I, confess I would declare the same. I would declare a fatwa. <laughs> it's the really sad because again. I, you know, I wasn't a good student, and I could tell that for a good student to have to submit itself, their intellects to us morons in the class with multiple choice tests, they breeze through these exams. They would get their A's and go to lunch, laughing at us, and I'd be at the very end. <laughs> the teacher's like, "Are you going to finish this test or not?" <laughs> and I was struggling with a multiple choice exam, but it didn't make me more intelligent. And make me like skate by with a C because it was multiple choice. I could somehow figure it out, you know? Well, it's not even, I feel like for me, it's not like a good application of what I know. It isn't. It's like, what's it, so it, sad. It doesn't, it doesn't help me. Like, you That's know. what's so unfortunate is that doctors, lawyers, psychiatrists, everybody gets their license through the training of the multiple choice exam. It's the saddest thing. And I review it in my book. My what did you think about my introduction? 
to how and why and why we are all confused and why we're fidgety, why we don't want to listen to each other, why nine minutes to you sounded like 90 minutes. Oh, no, I just wanted to respond to that point about, like, the poor in land America are not going to be affected. That was a solid point, man. It was very well done. It was it, good oration. I, I, had to, I would say it's a good speaking, but... Well, it's, it, it's, it's consistent with the way I wrote the book. I talked about what's going to happen. I I posed this to, to you last week. What's going to happen to the stock market, to the American engineer stock market where the whole world invests everywhere? What's going to happen when the 80 million, 82 million in the middle class buying power is supplemented by 200 and something million middle class in China? All the money's going over there. All the employment's going over there. If it's just if it's seventy five percent now, it's going to be a hundred percent. And guess what? We're going to be a third world country. That's my point. We are spending money on welfare to keep one party dominating politics to their own defeat. It's the Democrat Mule Party. That's how. I mean, you, I, that's you, my you, basis you for. You say my, that, but like, I hear, here's the clip I wanted to play. Play because it. This, you have every right so to play it. Play I'm going to give clip. some backstory because this was shortly um, around the last year of the Bush administration. Are you familiar with? Is, are you in the audience familiar with the show The West Wing? I didn't watch it, but I was familiar that it was very popular. The West Wing was kind of this fantasy show. I'll say fantasy in the same way that, like, you know, there are elves, there are orcs. There well, there's are, been a, there's there been several. Magic. There's VP. There's a West Wing. Same thing was kind of like Atlas Shrugged is like a conservative fantasy. I would say I heard the VP was very liberal. So yeah, was but, the uh, so was the West Wing uh, chief executive. But, he was a conservative. But the big moment in the West Wing that really got say, that got people talking was shortly before the Obama administration. Um, really, for the Obama campaign, even um, or it's kind of like you know, there's a conservative guy and there's like a middle of the ground moderate. Because I remember this time where it was even like even in the Obama campaign that I first really got introduced into politics, very few of us were calling ourselves, you know, liberals even. You know, we didn't even want to be liberals. I remember there was a black woman up there, you know, and I tell this because it's a funny story, um, and she's like, you know, I'm not voting for McCain. He's not a Republican. He has no, like, you know, credentials in this field. And as I said earlier, I come from an anti-communist Republican family. And then I went up to her and I was like, nice to meet you. I'm a white Republican. Oh, and we both laughed. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, I had a I had a, a run-in with two people who left the diner, the donut gallery today at the same time as me. And uh, they said, well, I, um, here I am upset with the village council. And I say that as I'm jumping into my golf cart with no real, no meat on the matter. It was just a comment. Well, I got to go back to getting annoyed at the village council. And she goes, oh, we're from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Oh, beautiful state, great state, my God, full of Republicans. Not Jackson Hole, and they were just laughing at me because they were liberal, liberal, liberal. I go, oh, so now that you pet my dog and you love my dog, that means I have a heart, right? <laughs> and they laughed and drove away because they liked my dog first. I forgot that part. Uh, so he, here's the clip in question that that kind of to me you got to put it moment, right up to the microphone so people can it hear. It kind of presented the moment in culture where liberals were no longer afraid of being liberals do you want a president who will get out of the way when airline executives are putting their so quick context for everybody it, this is a political debate this is a presidential run so it's this on is, tv on tv the west yes. wing yes 
companies up to bankruptcy so that they can avoid pension responsibilities to the workers who have given their lives to these companies. Some of our major, some of our major and older airlines are having trouble meeting their huge pension obligations at the very same time that they're under intense, intense competition from low-cost airlines that are so new they don't yet have pensions to, to pay. Now, an unthinking liberal will describe the airline bankruptcies as the evil capitalists screwing the I, I didn't again. say that, Senator. But, I don't well, think you should put words no, in my mouth. No, I know you didn't say it. You're not an unthinking liberal, are you? I, I know you like to use that word liberal as if it were a crime. No, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have used that word. I know, I know Democrats think liberal is a bad word. So bad you had to change it, didn't you? What? What do you call yourselves now? Progressives? Is it, that it's it? true. Republicans have tried to turn liberal into a bad word. Well, liberals ended slavery in this country. That is not true. A Republican president ended slavery. Yes. A the liberal truth. Republican. Ah. To them. They got run out of your party. What did liberals do that was so offensive to the Republican Party, Senator? I'll tell you what they did. Liberals got women the right to vote. Liberals got African-Americans the right to vote. Liberals created Social Security and lifted millions of elderly people out of poverty. Liberals ended segregation. Liberal, liberals passed the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act. Liberals Not true. Medicare. Liberals passed the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act. What did conservatives do? They opposed every one of those programs every one so when you try to hurl that word liberal at my feet as if it were something dirty something to run away from something that i should be ashamed of it won't work senator because i will pick up that label and i will wear it as a badge of honor so that's the moment that kind of i feel you know because not that art makes things happen but art's usually like a reflection of a pathos that is happening in the culture. You understand that everything he said was falsehood. It, that that's irrelevant to the point ah! that I'm trying to make. But it was he was lying. Not really, because uh, Lincoln was not a liberal Republican. The, the The party was so young; he was probably defined it at the time. But if you're going to tell me that, I think it freeing was radicals. Blacks, I think it was the radicals. I think he was. I think he was a radical was, Republican. No, no, he was the moderate. Lincoln was the moderate candidate. Nah. He 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 was the, he was put forward by the party because they were hoping not to agitate the South because the people who really got this thing going were the radicals who were going down and agitating slave owners you know if not straight up through protests you had the John Browns who were just straight up giving them guns so it was the radicals who had really gotten this change going from to, the north coming yeah, to from the, the south there is a great deal written about this even um, Jackson had spoken about this you know he was in the military back then yeah but as president he was coming down on the side of the slave owners um absolutely so the founder of the democratic Party. so i i would dispute if it was like the liberals who got it done but it was like lincoln was a moderate he was meant to have like the no position it was the south who jumped the bullet and then forced lincoln's hand and then he saw like well this is the only time we're ever going to get over this dilemma of slavery by ending it yes you make uh, very solid uh, points. I have to see that that one to you because I don't think uh, a conservative was even defined back in those days where the Democrats can honestly say 
if you were conservative in the Republican Party in the beginning of its foundation, chances are you were a segregationist. Chances are you could give a hoot about poor people. You just wanted the engines of industry to take off. And guess what? The South had all the raw materials. So I can see me not being able to make a case about the early days of conservatism because it probably is same as the conservatives today. They want strict adherence to the founding documents, and they want the, the national government to do as little as possible other than beat our enemies, beat our enemies to the pulp. Parking lots. You know, you fight the United States. Like, for instance, an article I read recently for you all to be at ease. Our nuclear submarine fleet is still absolutely domination on all our foes. No one can withstand our firepower under the water. Even if you take out a 30% of them, we'll still kick your butt with the other 70%. And uh, when it comes to nuclear power, nuclear power submarines that launch nuclear weapons, we don't even take them out. We don't even decommission them. (laughs) All we do is retrofit them and we just keep on adding to the fleet. I believe it's 54 nuclear subs as we speak. And they did war games. And the only time we beat China, because we can't beat them in the air, we can't beat them even at sea on battleships, because we'd be fighting in their turf. You know, we'd be fighting in their straits far away from our homeland. But under the sea, we take them down. We sink everything. And if they go into Taiwan now, unfortunately, they would probably get one up on us because we have a terrible commander-in-chief who would probably uh, be told what to do instead of him doing what he wants to do. I know that he does benefit from being a Cold War-looking and appearing president with his advancements on the Ukraine border with Russia. I believe that Trump would have uh, kept Putin from even moving as soon as Biden was elected, and I believe Putin wanted that really bad because he he knew he was compromised there. So our military is kind of thin now, and you don't even want to add to our budget next year. We're just going to not increase it because Republicans are going to all of a sudden sound frugal with their majority, and they're going to withhold, kind of like what they did in World War One and World War Two, acting super, I don't know, cautious about how much money we sending foreign aid and military aid to foreign countries, I believe that's, I don't think you agree with me, but you're basically telling me that we are looking kind of like anti-war Democrats. And it's really sad to say because politics is starting to look like the politics of old, where our positions are flipped. We were anti-war in World War II, therefore getting tattooed as racist because we were ignoring uh the atrocities in the Holocaust, we ignored them entirely. No, I, I, I think, in all due respect, like I wouldn't, as much as I love FDR and that progressive movement, I don't feel like Americans were very sympathetic to the cost of like kind of the Holocaust or like Hitler's statement about Jews at the time. I think the country was just kind of much more comfortable with that sort of thing. You have to keep in mind around like, even. Yeah, we were reading the New York Times. That's why I didn't want to read the New York Times the other day because, oh my God, I can't stand it when the conservative networks I watch, Fox News, 
I can't stand when they quote the New York Times. You can't disparage the New York Times when you feel like it and then quote them as, as if they're a legitimate news source the following day or later in the day. I mean, it's sad. It's called lazy journalism. I feel like the if you ask me who are like the right-wingers who I find secretly to be the most like distasteful in my eyes, I would actually say the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal. I can disagree. They're very financial oriented. Uh, they're really anti-big government, anti... Remember, the, the strongest case that conservatives has for fiscal conservatism is the obvious. We're broke as a nation. We're so broke that our dollars are everywhere. And it's our number one export. I've said that to you before. What's the number one export of the United States? Wait, what's the number one export of China? Well, the number one export of China is Chinese people. And the number one export of the United States is paper dollars to pay off bonds because we're constantly in issuing government bonds. And people don't need to print money. They just buy our bonds and we give them dollars. Why print money? Then they go and they steal from their people. Latin America is just spinning around, uh, you know, uh, buying government bonds. You know, hey, we'll buy a bunch of trillions of dollars, billions of dollars of bonds, but give us increase the foreign aid and we'll buy your bonds. That's what America has to understand about itself. Folks, they're buying our bonds in exchange for us increasing their foreign aid because they're not going to pay us back. But they will buy our bonds, our new bonds. You realize it's Ponzi scheme? They got no money, but they're buying our bonds? Well, imagine China. They get Billions of dollars every time one of our bonds, and I, I imagine the bonds are practically every month there's a bond that comes due, the 15, the 5, the 15, the 20, the 30-year bond. And China gets money, man. They get wired right into their bank accounts to run their operations, and then they devalue their currency. Remember, Trump was talking about that too. He wanted them to uh, par their currency with the world markets. They don't. They're communists. Come on. But guess what? We're playing voodoo with them. We're playing voodoo with them because they know that we're a free society. They know they can buy up our land. They know they can buy up our, our patents. They know they can copy our patents. They know that, you know, that the Chinese companies, when they go public on the New York Stock Exchange, they don't have to go through the same audit, auditing uh, procedures that American companies need to prove in order to go public. China doesn't, get, doesn't have to do any of that. And... Trump, in a disastrous interview, I believe it was with the Wall Street Journal, he said, well, why don't you force China to uh, be compliant with the FCC when they go public? Well, the market is too large, and they wouldn't go public at all. They go on someone else's exchange, like a European exchange. I go, and you're going to compare the European exchange to the, the massive American exchange, U.S. exchange? So, America, folks, the bigger your government gets, the more you're playing with the devil. What the hell? Change the subject really quick as an example. What the hell is the United legitimate, thought of, highly, highly regarded Ivy League school accepting $50 million from China to then pay Joe Biden a million a year as, a, as an ex-vice president? And the Biden Center itself is in, in, in freaking D.C. What do you think is going to become of that? Hello, what makes you think that's going to work out for you? And the irony is that Trump's out of Marta. 
University of Pennsylvania. What the hell is a communist country doing donating $54 million to the Penn-Biden Center? Think about that, America. It's not funny. I talk about that in my book, Denied Manifest Destiny. It started in 1959. Playing with the devil. Hanging out and thinking for some reason there's some political gain to allow communism to foster worldwide. Bill Clinton allowed China to go into the World Trade Organization. John F. Kennedy allowed a little chihuahua behind the fence in Cuba in 1959. Are you familiar with Foucault? Who? Facundo? Um, Foucault, um, he was a guy um, in the 90s, and he wrote a book called The End of History. Okay, tell us. Um, so quickly, I have to do a fast philosophy thing. So I've no, talked dude, about, take your I've time. I've talked about Hegel before. Take your time. And Hegel's big goal of the German Empire, more or less, he kind of say it out, was um, eventually we were going to keep fighting each other until there was going to be one system in one trail of thought that just won everything. Oh, now you're, you're stepping on the globalist's feet. And he believed that this had been already achieved and liberal democracy with some capitalism had won after the fall of the Soviet Union. He believed that this was it. Um, and this is a way of looking at, you know, the Cold War was really just... So are you saying he predicted this, or was he alive to see it himself? He, he, was, he was alive. He was writing about this as the 90s. So what we kind of saw was an attitude of, you know, this is over. There, we win. Anyone else who wants to get in our way, it's just not going to work out for you. We've, we've created the best worldview, and everyone in our way will lose. So then what kind of happened is 9-11. And 9-11 really felt like a weird moment to prove this. Like, oh, we have people who still oppose us. You know, these places in the Middle East. We're not going to have to invent reasons like, Saddam, do a hokey pokey or we kill you. You know, now it was just like time to flex the almighty American muscle and win the world. And what had kind of happened was is that America kind of believed in its own sort of christened divinity at this moment, that we really were the best country in all forms and possible Boy, way. That's not debatable. I think it's not a good position to... Like, it's a good attitude to have that, like, I like my hometown the most, you know? I like my country the most. That oh, unfortunately, if you're American, it's the only place on, on the planet that can actually say that. If America falls, even China falls... Definitely the Western societies fall. It would be like a perpetual COVID forever because there will be no United States floating See, out. I, I don't believe in that world Western society. You don't, you, don't like the, you don't like the John Wayne approach to things? No, it, it, sometimes there is, you know, sometimes when you have no other options, I'm all for it. But usually it's, we were just addicted to, go there. to it. We were addicted to it. You know, and look what happened. We got Libya, we got Iraq, we got Afghanistan. You know, I'm oh, you just mean, skeptical. Wait, 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 wait. But tell your audience, when you say we got, you mean we committed to, like we made the mistake of going to these countries and trying to impose democracy on them. Yeah, more or less. Like, you know, and there, look, I agree look, with look you. how it responded. You know, I very much felt like, you know, that was really a big moment for me, kind of, during the Arab Spring, seeing the responses more or less happen. It's just like, it kind of hit me. It's like, even if these people want democracy, you know, they're not going to want our version of it. They're going to have to respond to their own needs, their own culture, their own prejudices, their own attitudes. And, they you have, know? and, and their own 
sophistication and education. So it's like, you know, it's very much how things are going to handle, how why America is the way it is, or why Miami the way it is. It's completely a different world than New York City or Washington, D.C. It's definitely different from the 70s and 80s where I grew up. Yeah. So it's, you know, that was my settling moment. Like, you know, I love jujitsu. I like to fight. You know, I always, I think there's some, you know, there's a use to have a John Wayne. Yeah, but isn't jujitsu, now we're changing the subject, you, you, it's your fault. You went to the rabbit hole. Isn't jujitsu more hand grab, self defense type stuff as opposed to attack offensive stuff? Well, it's about choking the guy out. Okay, so finality. It's yeah, it, it's kind of a very useful. But it's as a result of an attack, like a but countermeasure. We, we, you, but you also get stronger in jujitsu by just straight up rolling with other people. Okay, but it's the point I'm making is it's defensive moves. Yeah, sure. And that's, now you're going offense because you've but been no, attacked. But I, I would agree with. You. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, like you know, there is absolutely a need for defense. I think the Gracie it, brothers. Yeah. I remember them. They the kings of choke out. So it's to me, if you say like, what's a fundamental aspect of freedom, is a right to self defend. I'm not going to disagree with that. Wait a second. Wait a minute. Do you have like a, a standing ovation? That's a drop the mic moment. Uh, oh, we don't. Have we, we don't. We, we're out of bottles. We'll pick. We'll pick some up. And that, that's why I liked a lot of the stuff the libertarian and the pro Second Amendment people were saying because that 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 felt like just a common sense position on what it means to be free is a right to defend yourself. So I, I'm not going to disagree with that. Oh, he found the bottle. Everybody. He's an ape. The radio socialist has come around. Epiphany, the right to self-defense. Amendment one or two? Well, uh, both. Oh, what's up? Okay. So what I kind of see is that when we have this attitude of we have to win, we have to win, we have to win, I get concerned that, like, we're not picking and choosing our battles. Don't pick on a Dolphin fan. I'm suffering right now. <laughs> we had to win. It was really close. Wow. Unreal. It's, you know, it's a matter of choosing our battles. And I feel that there's a, an attitude, particularly in the American conservatism, um, where at least it's kind of refreshing to see that they're anti-war now after what I grew up with. Republicans are going right back to what they were uh, right before World War II. They were just delaying the inevitable, and they were allowing our homies. But that's why we won, dog. That's why we won both back-to-back, because we realized it wasn't smart to jump into Europe's problems. Right away, yes. So but let Stalin do the dirty work. He did. So it's very much, I feel like, you know, maybe being top dog is actually what's necessary for us. You know, there's a lot of things I don't like about China. There's a lot of things I don't, you know. Dude, you don't want them winning this one. They win this one, you're going to be in a food line. But sometimes it's like... You'll remember me. I'll be gone. But sometimes just drop, sometimes just like choosing to opt out. It's, it's kind of when you work out a lot, you need a day of recovery. Yes, we, but you, don't you understand the, our point and what the point that was made today at the Oxford Club was we're submitting to them. We're actually tapping out. In many aspects, we've allowed them to go into our schools, free admission, foreign aid, well, God knows. Uh, we, we made allow them more to, mistakes, but than we allow they them to move. We, Look, we, your we climate, made more mistakes. How about in your uh, the Paris Accord for climate change, 
we've let them, we've opted out. They, we've allowed the biggest emitter of carbon emissions to opt out of all the requirements and all the pain. And you're right. That's that's what. But see, that's that, that's, that's, that's my feeling. That 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 is where our priorities and flexing our muscles should come in. It's something that affects. We all don't of us. though. Like the Europeans change. are not with us on this. They want to undermine us as well. It's, it's it sucks really bad. Well, luckily we have a whole bunch of friends down south who we can be getting way more along with. Oh, you picked that up in the fiscals. The number one economic alliance in the history of mankind is if we can successfully get Latin Americans, Canadians, and the United States to join forces as the greatest reservoir of fresh water in the world... God's earth, obviously the promised land well, that mean, Moses never made it to. Here's the thing. To join forces, limit corruption. How can we get Latins to limit their corruption and get them to prosperity simply because they can spit in the ground and grow something from it? It's that, amazing that, what can happen if we join those so forces. That's what about Lula, is that <sighs> Lula, you know, people got mad on the left that he got along with uh, George Bush Jr., and then people on the right were getting mad at him for getting along with Castro and Chavez. But he really managed to prove that there's... He wasn't a, getting along, man. He was promoting their, their communism. But he's proved that there's a good middle ground attitude to things. That, like, I'm not going to defend his corruption, but I do like his economic record. And I do think if we still can get along with Brazil and all these other trading partners down south, I think we can make a jump around. Like... I don't feel there's a need to bemoan the fact that we're no longer the Pax Americana. You know, we've tried to live in a fantasy world for very, very long. I agree with you in that respect that Americans don't even understand that the number one trading partner with the United States is Latin American countries. In each one of their respective countries, China's not there yet as number one, but they're getting really close. And American presidents, Trump included, Bush included, Clinton included, and Biden included, don't really go down to Latin America. They go once in their term, and they pick like maybe one country only. They don't go do a tour, although there are exceptions to that. But we just uh, don't get it. Just because we don't speak Spanish doesn't mean we shouldn't. I mean, come on, folks. I mean, but that's the thing that I kind of have a, a disagreement with the Western civilization talking point, right? If anything, the West, as a truly unified idea of culture, is finally existing. I can tell you as a person who grew up on the internet, what's really interesting is I, get, I have friends from India. I, I have friends from Danes. I have friends from Australia. I have friends from the Philippines, you know? And it, it's what's really interesting is that... I feel like we're in a position now, more internationally, where we can get along and understand people more. You know, when you have friends from the different sides of the world, there is a far bigger opportunity to do alliances, to get along, to understand each other a little better. You know, that that was kind of the big thing is that a lot of people get along or want to understand Americans because they watch our movies. They know what we're thinking. They know what we're feeling. They know what we're struggling with. They know what we're mad about. They know who, they know what we like to fight. Like, people know Americans very well because so much of our culture has exported. And they've absorbed it. Unfortunately, through Hollywood. 
And our sports. It's really amazing how many Europeans watch NFL football. There's one screen on because there's a playoff game tonight. And uh, I have three screens here. I just happen to have all three screens on ESPN. And I don't know why that happened, but it, it's there. And I think that's a perfect example of what you're talking about, that we export. They, there's only so much art and culture that they can fathom in their own country. So good old American football, basketball, and baseball. I don't think baseball so much. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, no. The rest of the world loves baseball. They Japan love baseball. loves baseball. Cuba loves baseball. Countries that have access to grind with us. So you got to exclude Cuba then because they don't get. Well, no. Puerto Rico loves baseball too. Yes, they yeah, do. But yeah. yeah, that's USA. We 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 suck from both Cuba and Dominican Republic and Cuba and Puerto Rico for our talent. So yeah, it's pretty obvious that uh, American sport is probably our greatest, most impactful export. Thank God. So it, other than the U.S. dollar. I, so I, I I'm slightly hopeful. Like you know, I think. If you ask me big picture, I think right now we're under an era of chaos because of the internet. And what's happened with the internet is... We all think it's true, what we read on there. Not that's what it's true, but we are such in a point with the information age. We are such in a point with the escalation of AI. Jobs are being upended. Worldviews are being thrown over. Like Everything's being questioned. Everything's being questioned. Like This is the point of history that we're in and it cannot be understated how difficult it is ask donald trump he was hated on the internet way before he was hated no, in no, he was loved on the internet when he started trump trump had like a huge following people made tons of jokes in support of him can you handle being on this show knowing there's uh, a five foot ten donald trump staring at you the whole time i'm surprised he's only five foot ten no in, I the, thought st- in, in the studio it's fine. I've gotten used to it. It's kind of. I heard that he's not as tall as he looks. He looks like a very tall man, but he, I believe he's only six one or six two. His, son, his sons I, are six tall. one, so it's usually like you probably see him eye to eye. I'm sure. It, it's kind of interesting to me when I meet another tall guy, like that. That's always interesting. Like, oh, it, it takes me back a moment because I'm used to being head man in the room. Really, you usually yeah. most of your friends are taller than. Yeah, yeah. I, I come from a huge family. I'm the shortest. Everybody's much taller. My father was six three or so in his in his peak of his height. Then he was six two. What are you? I was six. I don't even think I'm that now. I think oh, I'm five yeah. eleven now. No, that, 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 that's what's important. Among many, if you're above five ten, you command respect and power. Ah, people are more likely think, to listen uh, to you. It's funny because when you're when you're heavy set and overweight like me, uh, you have much more difficult time getting across people. Because they look down on you for being overweight, and they don't really listen to you. They more more happily comment about your weight as passive oh, but comments. That, those are Hispanics. Those oh, are you're Hispanics. looking great. You look like you lost some weight. I go, man, that's the least of me. <laughs> and Hispanics are much more prone to pointing out things. And then I listen to a word I'm saying. It, I, I really, I, 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 I'm I, always I, taken I, aback. I'm always taken aback by how little we are listening to people who who have something to say, and I include myself as one of those people, but if they're going to say, oh, he's a, he's a, a BSer all the time, guess what? Then my great ideas never come to fruition, and your bad ideas become law, as the theme of my book. It's, I wrote the book as, as a, a, that inner soul of mine who's dying to get out, um, and I'm more than happy to allow 
my writings to speak for themselves, providing that you fix myself as edits. Like, have you been finding likes? I hope not. Like, I like I'm not doing likes. Or I mean, I hope I'm not like you. Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> my only problem is not not gotta get. I gotta get you to pay attention to when you think I mean should not, will not, could not, that the not is actually there because I can't believe it. How often I've reread my stuff. <sighs> I say, how in the hell did I make a statement as long as that one with as many runoff sentences as that and then leave the not out even though I thought of it? And where did it go? I never wrote it. And in a book about the reinvention of the United States, which I don't really believe that anybody's talking about that. Nobody's writing about what I'm talking about. I my theme of my I, I book. I think everybody's pretty sick of the liberal establish of the neoliberal establishment and reform-minded people because there's plenty of that on the right as well. They don't get it. Creativity is the path of happiness because right, it widens. Be frustrating because it widens the path. That's got to be frustrating because your side. Um, kind of prides itself on sticking to their guns. Well, and think I of feel me. creativity doesn't that like butt think up against me. it. Check this out. Freeze frame. You, we know what we're, the problems we have on the border right now. Think of a person like me who actually exists, who believes so much in his book that it motivated him to participate in FCC lottery, get a license. Sorry, FCC, not FEC. FCC, and then get into the face of power way before this crisis on the border, how am I to feel I'm the only person in America who had the Mexico, the wall that Mexico could pay for? And because of the powerful people I put it in front of, ignored my great idea, the worst of ideas became law. But that's I'm the only person in America who can say that. You know, no, uh, that's something that a lot of us activists on the left relate to. You actually, when you read, when you read the Great Wall of Will, you actually thought it was a legitimate idea. Yes or no? I can see that. Oh, look at the delay, poor guy. I, I, he wants everybody crossing the freaking border. <laughs> So they can party in New York uh, hotel rooms. I just think, but here's here's the thing: is that what we're talking about? Is that um, you're talking about like showing these stuff to career politicians whose whose job it is is to make everybody who's currently making tons of money happy, primarily because those are the people they're visited by. Yes. So this is the challenge and, that anyone who's and like, I wasn't one of those people. Anyone who has like a I? desire for change is going to run into. Is that the fact that the guys have the jobs of representing us have every interest in just like seeing things as they are? So that that's what's remain, funny to me is that that's a very relatable story. That's a very relatable story. Well, that reminds me of uh, one of my mantras when I first started writing mantras, which I suggest everybody write their ten mantras as if they're their own ten commandments, and delete the authors of the mantra so that you don't judge the value of your mantras based on who wrote it, but based on how it appeals to you personally. Write your 10 and move your 10 as you go about your life and find out what you've dominated. Put obviously number one as your biggest shortcoming and number 10 is something that you are proud about. 
and see how long number one makes it down to number 10 and live your life that way. I've been doing it since 1987. One of the early mantras, you just struck a chord with me by what you said, and it was written by Goth, and it said, treat a man as he is, he'll remain as he is. But treat a man as he could be and should be, he'll become what he could be and should be. And that drove me to write these mantras. Now, I had suffered a head injury that year that I started the mantras, 1987. So by 1988, I was writing these mantras because the head injury was late 87, October of 87. So I don't think I can honestly say, oh my God, look, I used to have a suit just like that, that green suit that you see there on ESPN. And and I wholeheartedly believe that you all should write them. Now, has anybody written their own mantras of all the years I've been saying it? I don't think one person has. I don't know of anybody that I know of, including my children, have written their 10 mantras. Nor do I believe that they fold it up and put it in their wallets or their purses and carry with them for the rest of their lives and read them on a regular basis during downtime, waiting for a doctor, waiting for FedEx to deliver a package before you go into sleep, uh, picking your nose, brushing your teeth, whatever. I don't. That, that, that is the order how I end my day. <laughs> picking your nose and brushing your teeth. Uh, and I believe that if you really want to be reminded of the person you seek to be, write your mantras. They're out there. I uh, uh, originally, as a little kid, I used to love um, reading the very back, because I wouldn't read it, the Reader's Digest. My mom did. But I remember... She always having the Reader's Digest just laying around, and she loved reading those little antidotes and small snippets of uh, larger articles, and she was always a subscriber to Reader's Digest. But in the back of the Reader's Digest, there was always something called the quotable quotes, and those were the mantras. I used to read them all the time. As a little kid, I used to read them, or she would hand them to me. Look, you might like this, and she would read it out loud, and then I would see the other on the lists. Well, that's where that starts. So if we incorporate our own Ten Commandments, which I obviously have embraced being a Catholic, but write your own based on your shortcomings and your strengths, I think we would all be better off. Instead, I, of, I've been practicing, and it's been helpful with this radio show, I've been practicing something called Truth Speak, which is like a Buddhist principle that like you're not allowed to lie, and you're not allowed to lie about yourself to yourself. Wow. Are you, like, subliminally telling me that I should do the same? No, but it, it, what you're talking about reminds me of something that I've been trying. Oh, cool. Like, well, that's a beautiful part about radio is that if you're lying, you're in trouble because people can research what you say. And if it's not true, they can call you out on it. In my case, you got to wait to see me. If you're from Miami, by the way, we're listening to WSQFradio.com, WSQF 94.5 on your Car FM, and I know that this show surprises most people after kick-ass rock and roll all day and all night until 5 to 7, Monday through, well, can't even say that, Monday through Friday, I can only say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, with the Radio Socialist, a new show for the 2023 year, and it's always a pleasure to have the future up staring at me in the face. With the radio socialists. So I, I thank you for your kind words. So I, at, least at, stirring, least, at least you don't have to worry that we will dispose of the, the Clintonites of your era. 
yeah, he's, is he, that we are going to be constantly fighting with them. You know who's someone who I don't think has a good long-term political project from the way I've been saying? Joe Biden. <laughs> Please tell me Joe Biden. I don't Biden. think he has much time left either. I hope he gets impeached, man. God. Why? Because he was a loser from the get-go. It makes us look like we're a country on the take. To despise a, a, an industrious man, I shouldn't say industrious man, but just a, 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 a winner, and call him a loser, call him a fascist, an orange head, all that stuff, man. When he was our dream come true, remember during the Tea Party days, remember when term limits and everybody's on, we always begged for a man to come out of nowhere, give away his salary, not be private interest owned, not be a politician, and and we get it, and we disparage him in order to vote for, write him off into the sunset with your game show mentality, and actually elect a disgustingly corrupt career politician. America, that's what we did. That's what the world sees. The world didn't like Donald Trump's vulgarities, abrasiveness, and attack mode. They didn't like Make America Great Again because it makes everybody else second place, even though they know it's true. We are first place, period. All the goods that come to ports in the Mediterranean, all over the world, into Asia, into India, everywhere, is some way affected by or as a result of our strength and security out at sea. We secure shipping lanes. Not only do we secure by the visual, like a cargo ship going through the Pacific Ocean and see the uh, and see and know on the radar and uh, at the cabin level that the Americans are out there. That gives comfort to ships coming to port worldwide, and Americans don't have to be rubbing it in people's faces because it's not something that you and I see. Only boat captains see it on their radars and their communications. Then it also includes a wax submarines under the under the water that will never identify themselves. And you can see when when there's mishap out there, like we saw in Somalia, where native uh, pirates invaded cargo ships in the, uh, as it approached the Suez Canal. You see how unstable that was. Well, the United States had handed over security of the Suez Canal based on some diplomatic accords with the Middle East, and they handed it over to Britain. And I think Britain uh, was sleeping at the wheel. I saw that ship, by the way. The little uh, the rescue ship that uh, that the captain and his crew finally uh, got into on the uh, on the urging of um, special special force units, and I saw how they took out. I think it was three Somali pirates because I saw three holes in the window. Pink, 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 from from navy skin divers in the water just floating up and down, up and down until they went bang, 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 bang. Everybody shooting from different directions. Did you see Captain Phillip? I didn't meet him, but uh, he did. He did. Oh no, the movie. Oh, the movie. No, no. But I, I, I've never met him or anything. But he really stayed with his ship as a as a captain until he was ordered to get into that rescue boat. And he took, he. I guess he got sign languages, or I don't know exactly how the communications were. I think they were. Uh, I think they started with lights. I felt like that movie handled the whole thing with a lot of dignity. Okay. Like, it could have easily been a rah-rah America moment, but it's like everyone's kind of, like, the pirates aren't shown to have many opportunities at home. 
You yeah, know? man, look what they did at the last days of uh, uh, Senior Bush's administration. Like they weren't shown to have Ma- a lot Magadu- of opportunities Ma- uh, Mago- at home. How do like you say it? Mogadishu? 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 That was sad, man. I think Bush set up Clinton in a bad way. That was very tacky. You don't do that at the end of your administration to hand the new president, who isn't at fault for what's going on over there, and try to do a rescue that he, that I guess he thought it was going to be an overnight thing, and it turns into a disaster, killing, getting all our guys killed. Holy moly, terrible, terrible, terrible. Black Hawks Down, I think it was called. Was yeah, that's what you're talking about now. Yeah. That, that's a different occasion that I'm not familiar with. Yeah, it was a, a res- it, was a, it was a rescue attempt in the last days of George Bush administration, right before Clinton comes to power. Literally, I think it was the last day. I mean, at least the news comes on the last day. As Bush is leaving the uh he's so upset with Clinton, he drops his egg on him. This rescue mission he authorizes that blows up in their face. They shoot down a, a helicopter, lands in the middle of Mogadishu, and the tribesmen and the the riots just have these poor pilots and the, the Americans on the ground shooting their way out of it, and they fail. A lot of people died. Lot, you can imagine how many uh, Somalis died, but uh, Americans died, and it was a, a total fiasco. And I can't remember the particulars, but I think there was a rescue mission. They were trying to get someone out of there, someone who was held captive. Man, but if you don't, if you don't agree on doing it while you're president, don't do it. Don't let the orders... Stand, you know, cancel the mission and, and let the next president decide, as in AKA Eisenhower and John F. Kennedy in 1960. Because John F. Kennedy changed the coordinates in the Bay of Pigs as president against Eisenhower's wishes because that plan was set up. That wasn't going to work. At the Bay of Pigs, it can't because it's mangrove there. Well, they, they also had, um, I heard the Bay of Pigs was a repeated plan that they used for Guatemala. That they thought was going to work here, and they, did, actually, and they did not account actually, that um, Castro had managed to utilize the planes Batista was given by the United States. Nah, not true. Go on. The original plan was in the Escambre Mountains. That reminds you of Normandy. Okay. Same with the Navy SEAL attack on Japan. Same rocky cliffs. It was going to be bloody, bloody, bloody. But in the case of Bay of Pigs, it wasn't meant to be bloody, bloody. It was meant for the militia, the Cuban militias, to make ground quietly on a sandy beach and go into the mountains and create havoc for the next five or six years until, or one year, until Fidel was toppled. But instead, Kennedy thought it was too loud of an invasion that the United States would definitely be blamed for it. And I believe it was in the Kennedy Center dancing in a naval ball during the invasion to show you how insolent he was. And he had changed with the CIA. And there were supporters. It wasn't unilateral. It was him uh, building forces with the CIA that he knew he was going to be upsetting in the course of his presidency. So he decided to befriend some of the CIA people who didn't want to go to the Escambre Mountains. If you look... On Google Earth, the shoreline in Escambre has a huge sierras, huge mountains, just at the foothills of the Is beach. Is there like a giant fence around Guantanamo Bay? It's a, it's a, a huge fence. We're talking about Guantanamo is bigger than Dade County. Because I've always wondered if it's like, there, there's always like such a large discussion about how 
there, there's a really inconsistent conversation I hear from everybody about the Cuba thing, which is that, like, um, where the Cubans in Miami want to retake it, and they, they're always acting like a fiend of helplessness, where their people who are pro-Castro act like there's a grave injustice that the Bay is still occupied by American forces. On both sides. Yes. Like, this, this is uh, something I've heard in the way it's discussed. Yes. So is it like, what is the military situation at Guantanamo? That the fact that like neither country has overtaken the other with this hold? Well, first of all, people have to understand Guantanamo Bay was America's first foreign base. It actually promoted, by having it, it promoted the conversion of the wood navy to a steel navy. It also was the big transition uh, to a fortified Navy. Plus, it was a place where we exercised and executed the Monroe Doctrine, the turn of the century. It was a big Theodore plan. It was Theodore's idea. And what happened is that since the deal was signed with the Republic of Cuba, a democracy at the time, there was an amendment called the Platt Amendment, P-L-A-T-T. And it was put in place assuring the new Cubans' independence, taking full credit for Cuba's independence, which always rubbed Cuba the wrong way because they fought really hard to get rid of the Spanish. Americans came in there and did kind of like a mop-up duty, kind of like we did in Normandy when we lose all these lives and we were basically doing mop-up duty for the parts of that Stalin didn't achieve in his own invasion, ground force invasion against the Nazis. Because Leningrad, people, if you need to study the, the grossest battle, there was one in Leningrad that was gross, for those who are, are pissed off by my analogy, that by the time the Nazis got out of Leningrad, there wasn't much left of them. So we came in through Normandy in, in, the, in the northern part of France, and we wiped the slate. But anyway... In Cuba, Guantanamo's massive landmass with a huge, the deepest port in Cuba is in Guantanamo. And it's probably the deepest port in this hemisphere is Guantanamo. The second, believe it or not, is uh, the... Panama? Huh? What about Panama? Not deep-wise. Panama's shallow compared to Guantanamo. How do the people in Panama feel about that? Because it's like... Well, it feels, like, ha- it feels have- like one of like the moments of like the most crazy part of the American expositionist mind was just like blowing up the land. Like just like all the dynamite and the blowing up the land because it was like, wait, we could technically put boats through there. Yeah, and, and make Panama self-sustaining. We It's really, probably really helped them economically. Absolutely, put them on the map and made them a world transit point. And f- France was really failing at the time building the Panama Canal. A lot of people were dying and Americans... 3,500 people, I believe, died building the canal. Americans didn't fare much better, but Americans weren't dying from the accidents so much as they were dying from malaria, yes, from the mosquito-infested swamplands over there. But going back to Guantanamo, we, it's, I think, 46 square miles, and Dade County is 43, and we had, and Guantanamo has a huge, deep port, which will allow us to drive uh, uh, the, the, the 
biggest economic development the world has ever known there. Instead of armed conflict with Cuba, we just build the base for veterans by veterans, like a ton of two towers or wounded warriors project where you build homes for military veterans and you get to live in a leasehold in Guantanamo for umph years and create a city, the shining city on the hill. That's what I say. That's what I write about. But Cuba does have to go through Guantanamo Bay to get to Guantanamo City, and there's a causeway there that they go underneath that bridge. And it was a a deal negotiated with Castro after the fact. But the Platt Amendment, my God, I believe was 1901, and the lease at Guantanamo was 1898. So everything that we see in all three documents— the most recent being their Treaty of Relations of 1934, where FDR spits on the Platt Amendment because his late cousin did it, and he was a Republican and FDR was a Democrat, so it was kind of like two Roosevelts pissing on each other. They barely knew each other, and there were a tremendous uh, difference in age. And that's what governs the base today, the Treaty of Relations. And Americans don't want to understand that the only thing consistent in all three documents, Platt, Lease, and Treaty of Relations, is our right to eminent domain of the base. And that's where the book starts. Enforce the right. It's Article, I believe it's Article 4, Article 4 in the Lease, and Clause 5 in the Treaty of Relations, and I believe it's uh, an article as well in the Platt Amendment, or it could be uh, called an article or clause Hell, by no John Fetterman moment. It's, it's unfortunate when I can't remember the, the very stuff that I've written, but that means that it would be a strong case legally for us to declare Guantanamo a U.S. a U.S. property that can be redeveloped for the sake of public health, because if we had COVID, they have dengue and cholera, which are waterborne diseases. That's what the clauses say. If we could declare that it's not safe for American travelers to go to Cuba safely or leave safely to prevent their contaminating the southern ports of the United States, meaning American tourists, we have the right to redevelop the base. Have you gotten there? Have you gotten there yet? Or no? No, you haven't got there yet. But you're going to be flabbergasted at my innovative vision to retake Cuba. No, <laughs> just retake the base. Because ultimately what I see is for veterans today, but tomorrow it it could be the return of the Cuban capital to Guantanamo, to Santiago. The capital of Cuba used to be Santiago de Cuba, not Havana. And Havana needs to be depopulated so that it can be rebuilt, meaning shift the people to the eastern side of the country in a place that could be awaiting them because of the veterans already have an American-run city there, hundreds of thousands of them, whoever wants to come, you all you need to qualify to live in Guantanamo is to be a veteran of the armed forces of the United States. It's called GitmoFreeZone.com. So I wanted to share something that a lot of people talk about. Um, I was recently, you know, I was at an event, and, you know, that was regular. It was unrelated to politics. You know, a fairly conservative guy runs it. And someone was um, saying, oh, this is Martin Luther King week. 
And he had said, you know, well, I like him. He, he made us better country. He put us on a proper path. But they're, he's not like those new BLM guys. So we have to appreciate Why would they compare the two? And I felt like, you know, I kept my mouth closed because I'm, you know, I'm new. And it's not really my place. But that sort of thinking, I always feel like when I hear that, I feel like that person wouldn't have liked Martin Luther King even during, when he, if he was around. Yeah, one because thing you have to Martin know Luther about... Luther King was very much sort of attacked very similarly to these BLM Oh, he was called, he was called he, he, a Marxist. He was also but seen... He was a Marxist, though. Yeah. He was seen kind of as responsible... He said it. I didn't thank you for saying it, so I didn't have to say it. Yeah. But he was very I wasn't, much... I, I'm not from the old Cuban guard, because I'm not of this, that age, where they really made the correlation between... Marxism and Martin Luther King. There's a lot of connections there. I believe it was politics of convenience. He was getting funded, so allowing him to but move But I, I also think it's that you have to understand and Nelson, everything remember, about Remember, Nelson Mandela was doing the same in South every, Africa. You have to understand, given everything about the... Like, as I kind of have talked earlier about, I kind of imply that people's philosophy represents an adaptation or an understanding of what they're struggling with. For the black American... Um, they weren't really given any wealth to inherit. You know, they were kind of outplaced from generational wealth, from political involvement. So for them, a sort of socialism makes sense. You know, a sort of sharing of wealth and understanding that leaving everything to the entrepreneurs and the wealthy and the state had not really worked out for them. You know, they... And do you blame anybody? I blame the Democrats. What I, you, I blame uh, the whole country. Uh, yeah, he dilutes it. I, no, because it, it's you, you have to blame the people. Civil who, rights. Civil you, rights. You have to blame the people who did not deliver. Civil and rights. You also have to blame the opposition. Civil rights in 1964 but, guaranteed but a, a bunch of free stuff. Here's a speech I wanted to share. Uh, it's only three minutes, and it's kind of um, when he was in the Birmingham jail. And he wrote specifically to what I feel like a lot of people might put themselves in. He pins a large amount of blame on the white moderate for... The Democrat. White moderate. More or less. The white Martin, Luther, Mar, Mar, Martin Luther King. Yeah. I mean, sorry, Malcolm X made the same statements about Democrats. So They're uh, lying to us. I wanted to play this speech because... Can I read Jose Macias' uh, uh, speech? Not speech, just quote. Like sure, of, but I, I want to do this you. in honor of Martin Luther King Day. Good. That, like, so I, I don't want to directly make anyone feel antagonized, but I really want people to think, well, civil rights leaders used to be more in control of their people. It used to be cleaner. It used to be better. I want you to take those feelings that you feel about the messy nature of progress and put them somewhere for a moment and then reflect upon it after you hear this. First, I must, must confess that over the past few years, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner but the white moderate, who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, 
which is the presence of justice. Who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action. Who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom. Who lives by a mythical concept of time and who constantly advises a Negro to wait for a more convenient season. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. I had hoped that the white moderate would understand that law and order exist for the purpose of establishing justice, and that when they fail in this purpose, they become the dangerously structured dams that block the flow to social progress. I had hoped that white moderates would understand that the present tension in the South is a necessary phase of the transition from an obnoxious negative peace in which the Negro passively accepted his unjust plight to a substantive and positive peace in which all men will respect the dignity and worth of human personality. Actually, we who engage in nonviolent direct action are not the creators of tension. We merely bring to the surface the hidden tension that is already alive. We bring it out in the open where it can be seen and dealt with. Like a boil that can never be cured so long as it is covered up, but must be open with all its ugliness to the natural medicines of air and light. Injustice must be exposed with all the tension its exposure creates to the light of human conscience and the air of national opinion before it can be cured to the message. So that's essentially it. Um, you could have kept on going. It was terrific. Yeah, but that was it. That was it, so it ends there. Yeah, so it's what I want to feel when I see a lot of people talking about, you know, Black Lives Matter. And you're saying he wrote this in prison yep, in Birmingham. In jail. And now it's just being played. Did he ever speak those words or only it was only in text? I can get back to you on that. Um, okay. But Not that it matters, but it was was that his voice or no? I think someone was imitating it. Someone was imitating it. But it, for me, what it kind of says is that I hear a lot of times like people are like, oh, you know, racism is a problem, so on. But like... These things make me uncomfortable. Is a lot of time. Well, it's I, a natural tension, is what he yeah, said. Yeah, but it, and I feel like he really nails it. Because, but it's I, I hear a lot of people talk about like you know, well, he didn't create tension. Well, he didn't like you know, and this is a revisionism of a Martin Luther King who didn't exist. This is kind of I want to say kind of a sanitized version a sanitized version that plays into kind of a racist conception of the well-meaning black person who works in your family and you know as as, you know you might hear in the south one of the good ones kind of like a joe biden type yeah like rubbing elbows with you know uh, democrats that were totally anti uh 
you know, they were for segregation, anti-black man, and yet at the same time saying he was a black president, they want to put you back in chains. That's exactly what you're just describing. That's what really is appalling about Democrats' support for. Mm-hmm. Remember, it was the black. I'm much more talking also about um, kind of the action. But you, re- you recall what put him in the on the map in the primaries was South Carolina and a black man's uh, Claiborne shouting out, you got to vote for this man. And, you know, he's the only guy who can beat Donald Trump, and that put him on the map. He won that primary and then several more. Well, he won once he started to win once the other moderates had dropped out. I don't think you all would have chosen, not you all, because you're now telling me you're not as Democrat as you used to be when you started the show. But anyway. No, it's, I've always been very critical. The moderates didn't stand a chance against Donald Trump. I think Bernie Only this one could have rigged the election. This guy. I think he was was always on the record. You were a Bernie supporter. I I was always on the record and a Bernie supporter, but I always felt, given the numbers of the polling, only Bernie or Biden could have defeated Trump. Given the numbers on how they polled, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, <sighs> they wouldn't have stood a chance. I, I knew we were up. I knew we were up against something, uh, some indelible force of nature. When all the Democrats in a debate in Miami held their hands up to give illegal immigration all the rights that they presently are getting, they, every single one of them raised their hand. And you know who was the last one to raise his hand? And you realize the implications of what he was doing it was Joe Biden. You can go to YouTube and see the debate yourself. It was in Miami. I was in the streets outside, and me and Laura Loomer were out there creating ruckus. Oh, you know Laura Loomer? I know her very well. Oh, she is so funny. She's good. She's very funny. Yeah. There's a clip of her drunk hitting on, like, a white supremacist Ah. going, do you want to gas me? Because sometimes (laughs) you want to do that because I'm Jewish. And the guy, like, looks really uncomfortable. Yeah, he ran against Lois. And uh, she also, like, Change herself up to Lois, Twitter. Who, the lowest that she keeps on losing to up there in Delray. She also changed herself up to like the Twitter door. Yeah, she was fantastic. And she was like yelling. Yeah. She was She's uh, very funny. She was uh, James O'Keefe's, uh, I think, first uh, mentor. Sorry, me- uh, uh, not mentor. James O'Keefe. I. What's the word I'm looking for, man? I'm gonna cry. Oh God! When you're a mentor. What are you? You're a protege. That's yeah, what yeah, it is. Yeah. Protege. My God. Hello. See, that's a product of public school. It, it's also a byproduct of people who speak two languages, and sometimes we get to certain words of what we mean mixed up. That happens to me a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah, being, being in radio is one thing, but not knowing you're going to be in radio is another. I had no idea this was going to be my calling as a result of my experience in life. But Nor that, that, did I expect that two years after doing it, I suffered strokes, which made me mumble, stumble, and gave me Fetterman moments. But that's a big thing I believe in, in the speech is kind of like when people talk about these things that they like struggle with progressives. Like it's kind of just coming out of a place of fear is what I want to challenge. Like I'll, I'll hear a lot of people. Can I correct it being we can't afford for you to be wrong. But that's fear. Okay. Stand down. <laughs> I do have a fear. Why? Because there's no way of turning back if you're wrong. That's the fear. Can't afford it. Because we know where we go from here. Revolution. If we allow Democrats to con- continue to control the narrative, 
I'm talking about media narrative, social media narrative, but much more, well, print much, media narrative, but much more with and political direct. narrative. It will take a gun to unravel all the stuff they want for us. But very much when we talk about the race. AI is going to be a product of the Democratic Party, by the when way. When we talk about. They'll be the first to jump on AI, baby, and use it to their ends. And for their propaganda, look what they did to my daughter's generation and yours. Revisiting the whole racist thing again. Because, no, we but just elected, because, because re-elected here's, here's a black the thing, man. Here's the thing. Uh, even Thomas Jefferson, Donald, Donald Thomas Trump Jefferson, was well aware one of the inconsistency of, of black all people. men are created equal, yet him owning people, right? And then in other letters of his, you mean Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson? Like this is what I feel about this subject: is it's like this is something. Have that you I f- read? Have you read the young, the young freshman from Florida who wrote it in this week's Islander News about that very same thing? taking down statues and stuff. She really believed it, and, and very well written, with footnotes and everything. Have you read it yet? Read no, it. I'll, t- I'll check it out. Maybe we can have them on if they're local. I don't. I think she's at University of Florida right now, but she went to Mast. But maybe we can have her on if she's local. Um, read it. It's very well written. It's But I, I see that ghoulish. this is a very clear problem that the United States has constantly had, which is just its attitude of this, you know, dispositioning um, black Americans, and it's really one that's born out of fear. Like, and you can track this through history, where the American, the white Americans, were just scared that black people were just going to come and kill them for what they'd done to them. Like, it's very much a fear yeah, of revenge. like we have to have their boot on their neck. Would you take it one step further? That is the reason why Barack Obama won twice. Like that fear that we it's now time to make amends. And guess what? It was false placed fear. Because we re-elected him. Then, then you're agreeing with and me that this is something that we I'm, have to move I forward I didn't with. vote for him. I'm just saying that the average folk who voted for Barack Obama was, the moment of truth was, well, if we elect him, then they'll be nicer to us and they won't come and kill us. If what you're saying is true. That's I, I, why I, I, that's why I, I pose it as a question. Things. I think it was, uh, I tell you, there are various factors. There were liberals who wanted to look progressive. Yes. I think there were people who were, like me, furious at the Republican Party. For going into Iraq and Afghanistan. For going into Iraq and Afghanistan. And then putting, Which wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for September 11th. And then putting Palin as vice president. Um, Come on, she was good looking. Yeah, that doesn't qualify. Come yeah, on. she was more qualified. I, I'm than sure you. Kennedy was much better looking than Nixon, but I, I, I don't imagine you would support Kennedy over Nixon. Uh, uh, I, he was the <laughs> Barack Obama of his time. He was just so, a young guy who got his head up his butt. So, now, like, but wait so a second. I, I feel like so the a lot way of- you, nem- you mentioned Sarah Palin, I want to, for the record, as a concrete conservative, Yeah. of the four candidates running in that election, she was the only one who was governor. Therefore, she was more qualified than the other three. Definitely more qualified than Barack People Obama. People did not speak very kindly about her. Who that doesn't mean diddly squat. Yes, it does. Because that only it, means it, that it, people it, hate no, her. No, this, is, this is this is the Hillary Clinton argument. This is the Hillary Clinton argument. Is that this is what the liberals were saying against Trump? Is that she's the most qualified candidate for president? We did not she, say that. They did. No, I, I we heard didn't tons of liberals say that. Say that this, this is Everybody, huge Hillary's no. point. Yes, it was. Yeah, but it was. Yeah, but it was. The, the rhetoric against Sarah Palin was as a result of the absolute surprise that McCain picked her. Came out of completely out of nowhere. The, uh, the governor from Alaska, hello, what, what, what? Guess what? He got her. She got that. She got, sorry, she, she got him. Softball she got, 
I don't think she got a single softball interview except for on Fox. No, no, no. Those Katie Couric interviews were very softball. Oh, come on. It made her look like a ditzo. Because she is a ditzo. (laughs) She ended up being right about natural gas. She was right about getting the Alaskan citizen a a cut of all that was sucked from their land, from their state. She used the Constitution to get those. Every single Alaskan citizen got a check from the oil uh, pumped out of their state from her moment on. And yes, she was a mayor from a little town. Uh, what was the name of the Juno? I think it was. Uh, she was a mayor of Juno. Yeah, let me double check that. And talking. she was a star. And she was a star basketball player. I get all the the, the bimbo connotations, but that kind of envy instead of admiration. Where were the feminists fighting for her? They were just nowhere to be seen. Why? Because she was a decent person who uh, did not abort a child with Down syndrome as many feminists would have done. If they found out their child was down, they would have aborted it in a second. She gave birth to it after having other children. So it wasn't even her firstborn. It was her lastborn. She was raising him to, his, to this very day, lived a very American life, and she was free of, uh, of dirtball politics of town central D.C. And yet everybody came after her. And she was the most qualified of the four candidates. Biden, Barack Obama, John McCain were all she politicians. She was the mayor of Wasilla. Wasilla, that's right. Correct. Yes. Juno so. is the bigger city. It's the port town. Uh, Wasilla, yes. And then she became governor. And they ran her out of town. They ran her out of town. Now, I agree with you that... Uh, she, she had rusty tools in her shed because she was limited. She didn't have the flexibility of articulation because they gave her a shot on Fox to run a couple news hour shows, and she just had she had difficulty keeping keeping with the you know the tone. She didn't that teleprompter thing didn't really sit well with her. And also, they set her up on interviews where she wasn't up to speed on news. It's just very difficult. It's very visible when you have, like, the smooth-talking Barack Obama I, 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 up against you. And what, no, what, but what this guy, remember, this guy was a very old candidate up against, up against Obama. It was a terrible conflict to see them both debating face-to-face. To see the short little old man with, you know, sketchy uh, military background, sketch, you know, uh, sketchy people on the right. And on they, the left, they kind uh, of represented the the moderate oh the moderate attitude of the United States. These are these are both very centrist. He was he was. These were both very centrist candidates. These were both people who felt like we had to continue supporting the troops. Um, well, or, he he, I'll give you that man. Uh, McCain is the one who told Bush, "Hey man, umpty ante. Uh, we we should do this for a hundred years. Yes. We should be really was like borderline a direct yes vote. yes." Um, you're not even paraphrasing. You're, you're, I think you're right on. Yeah, yeah. But so, he was he was right in the sense that when Bush was facing his second term, remember he lost to him in the primary. So when he was facing his second term, huh? But I, I kind of admire McCain for this. Do you know why he lost? Because there was a public debate about like the flag of Georgia, I believe. The Confederate to get rid yeah. of the Confederate. Is that he was saying that like you know I think it maybe it's time, time to change for- and. Um, Notice how we stood strong, man. We still haven't uh, gotten rid of our flag. It's as confederate as it comes. It, it feels borderline Spanish. 
Well, that cross is Confederate. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> we just said, we just said, you know what? Kiss my tickets. You know what I mean? Just kiss my, you know what? And uh, and uh, people don't really know uh, the origins of that. And uh, we're a fairly new state, considering that we didn't really participate. We, we didn't really partic- We don't have much history in, in the, the Civil, Civil Wars, War. No. no. Just the battles in uh, in the in the in the areas around Jacksonville because it's called Jacksonville, because so Jackson I think marched in there once or twice, but it was not against Southerners; it was against na- uh, natives. Yeah, that that was the major racial conflict in this state was um, moving up to the Trail of Tears, where people were getting angry that the Cherokee were getting land. Oh, cool! And please elaborate on that. Take the last ten minutes. Those are the things that, that that get me excited when you you give me a little trivia that I can work on. I love to hear it. That's an angle that I had not heard before. I want to hear more. Now, now, hurry! What's up? Before the concrete <laughs> no, so, cracks. No, so the like, Navajo, I want to go back. Oh, let's finish on Palin. Is that Cherokees were given land? Were given land? There was a ruling that they might gain getting land, and this was one of the things. That, oh, so it made it to the courts. Yeah, here I found it. Actually, I I hit it. Okay, Jackson was the sole architect of the removal policy. Yeah, um, and this was in Florida. Um, Go ahead, read it. It doesn't matter. People are being, people love it. It will separate it. the Indians from the immediate context of the whites, free them from the power of the states, and enable them to pursue happiness in their own way, under the rule, under their own rude institutions. It will retard the progress of its own decay, which is less, lessening their numbers. Perhaps it will cause them gullily, gradually, under the protection of the government, and under the influence of good counsels to cast their, off their savage habits and become interesting and civilized Christian community. Whoa, what a stretch that is. So here's the thing is that many of these Cherokees are already Christian. No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So they were already showing a desire to assimilate or yeah. die. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's, what, that, that's the big hang of about the Trail of Tears that a lot of people have is that um, this was considered killing the people who were just actually doing what we wanted them to do. Yeah, and not only that, but it made null and void sign treaties, man. That was tacky. That's one blemish on the Jackson presidency that is above all else. Those were cons- this, this was his by bre- This is who he was. Yeah, by he breaking those in- treaties, he's basically disacknowledging the nation of, of natives, in other words, a, a nation of Indians, which... Today exists up in the north still to this very day. Big cigarette producers, the League of Nations. You know who's is a uh, big giant. A lot Indian of the founding fathers, actually, I think when people invoke the founding fathers, I know it's kind of like you know, well, they would have, but like the founding fathers didn't want this to happen. Um, in particular, Washington. You know, even though he had several fights with them, he he was given the name Town Killer. Wow. He he was actually very hopeful that it's like, I hope we can assimilate them into the project. And um, Franklin, in particular, was always very well um, prideful in, ad- in implying the word wait, white wait, there's savages. Fra- there, there, there's, there's Franklin's in the Washington Times. So you have to clarify yeah. what Franklin you're talking Benjamin about. Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin. He, he was like, um, don't be too fast to judge them because, you know, we have many white savages of our own. What's this is our term. So um, it's really funny to me because once kind of Jefferson, not Jefferson, Jackson happens, it's pretty much when you see that the United States has made up its mind 
on what it's going to do with these people. Slaughter them. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I assume... Which was the reason why, in that same era, the United States made a huge offer for Cuba to include slaves in the uh, the reappropriations after result of the negotiations of the end of the Civil War. They wanted to be able to count all the black slaves in Cuba and natives and a place for them to go to if they weren't going to assimilate. But do you know and, why uh, we didn't take the Dominican Republic as, um, as a state, too? Go for it. It was also racism. We didn't want blacks. There was a quote of, by a congressman who was like, Shh, what year what, what, was that? Um, let me let me look up. But the direct quote I can actually give you is that the man says, "Should we allow future generations the horror of having to say your honorable congressman to a man with a bone through his nose?" Woo! So I, I guess, boy, like, that is right down your alley. You, you feast on that one. Well, I, I feast on it because when it comes down, to that's the, a drive the mo- moment for the last four minutes of the show. When so it comes find down it. when we talk about Martin Luther King. When we talk about You're having on a to, roll, man, when we have to handle these things, people don't realize like how crazy racist people were. You know, where it's you know, yeah, but it was, it's it's also lack of education. You know, we were well, early. It, it's it not was, only a lack of education; it's fueled by a desire to feel superior to a group of people. But that is that future leg- generations. But that is ha- leg- like we, legendary. We, that goes we, back to feudalism. But we're carrying we're carrying the sins of their problems, right? Like we are not you guys, yes, maybe because you're fostering it and rehabilitating it. No, and we, we pushing are trying it. to overcome it. Like we did not choose to deal with it. Like, but we, the, we're past props, that already. No, we're not. Props See? to you guys. What? Props to you guys for passing the civil rights bill. But like, what happened is that we white and we, we white passed it, not who, agreeing with it because we had too much welfare in it. Grew up with it. Have seen the conditions. That you are, and I are, have not seen. Any. You have it because you guys, you guys were practically coming out of a segregated generation. However, the rest of us have grown up alongside many people who have conditions of poverty and over policing. That we are saying, like, listen, these are contradictions that are deeply set in our society. That maybe to your side's credit. The Democrats have no real interest in dealing with. Yeah, man, they they fostered the all. Thing. We wanted. They with fostered them. the police state we, over the inner city. We they created the inner it. city. They surround. We, we want. To they deal created with an inner city of government housing. Where do you we, think that was going to go? We Sixty want years to deal later, we are trying to carry the legacy. What would of Republicans say? In solving, they it. would condo it and sell it all black. To black people, you guys would go. You're living in there. You, you're, it's yours. Here's a 30 year mo- uh, mortgage. Keep it or sell it. You guys would go. Oh, we don't see race. We're we're we're, we're colorblind. That was the Republican line until well, very I think recently. We, I think we until you adopted the quote unquote Western civilization line. I believe that our our efforts and our attitudes and everything we've always wanted was to take the shackles off the black man. And Trump proved that in his four years. Their unemployment was up. Sorry, I said I misspoke. Their unemployment was down. More participation, more changeovers from Democrats to Republicans. That's the part that pissed the Democrats off. They were going to lose their, their golden egg. But more minorities were working than ever before. And it unleashed, if it had gone four more years... Gas would have been so damn low, we wouldn't be in the recession today. But the commies sent us COVID, period. And that's my drop, 
the mic moment. Going back to the Cold War. We're back to the Cold War. Find that quote for Wednesday, and we'll do it then. In the meantime, stay free, my friends. We're going to have... What's on? Led Zeppelin. Over the Hills and Far Away, 1977. Take care, my friends. Thank you, Radio Socialists. And were, thank you, you, Macron on the Rock. Look, when he called me Macron, that means he thinks I'm an alien from another planet. Macron. Now I'm French. Yeah. <laughs> if you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in Key Biscayne, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQFradio.com. And if you like our audio files and our subject matter, subscribe to YouTube, Mac on the Rock Rampage. Take care and stay free.